When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. I remember, well, you know, when I, I hit I hit 40 and there was a big party for me at 40 years old. And I'm like, wow, I'm 40. I'm in New York City, my career. And I, I finally got married. I got married a little bit later in life thinking like, I don't want to make any mistakes. I want it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and I would joke around like, oh, I skipped my first divorce. Ha, ha, ha. Well, that, that turned out the joke was on me. Um, but what I, what I re- realized at that age really was, um, who, who I had become, right. And where my confidence had come in and what I wanted next. And, um, you know, the person that I was with, I attracted somebody that I needed to get me to the next place, I think in yes. my journey of who I was. Yes. And what I didn't realize is, um, that person, uh, was definitely not for me, probably not even then, but I was really focused on my career. Wasn't really paying attention to my personal life for a long time. I traveled all over the country, moving from one job to the next. And I think I didn't really know who I was, to be honest. And so, um, when I got into that relationship and then I realized, well, this is definitely not who I am either. It was a scary decision because I, I thought, Oh my gosh, how am I going, you know, this many years into it now admitting this, perceived failure in my life and, um, and try to come out of that. And it was, it was public. It was in the papers. And then he was talking to the papers and it was in page six. And I thought, Oh my God, (laughs) it's just not how you want to be in the paper. Um, and there were some very quiet times and some really, you know, times of, of, uh, dark times and times of, of depression. Um, but what I did really learn from that is, is who I was by myself before I was with somebody new. And what I also learned is what I was going to be willing and not willing to accept and where my boundaries were. And I, I don't know that we talked a lot about boundaries back then, but I certainly did establish some for myself because it was important for me to not change every morph every time I was with somebody new. And that was what my pattern had been all along. Welcome to squats and margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Emmy Award-winning journalist, menopause and midlife advocate, Tamsin Fadal. I had the honor of being interviewed by her twice in New York City, and now I get to interview Tamsin. She is a midlife health advocate. She talks about hormone replacement therapy, menopause. I need all of the information. I think I am in perimenopause right now. I want to get into that with her um, so I can come out of it alive. I'm so excited to talk to her. She has the best dating advice and self-acceptance advice. 
Go and follow her on Instagram at Tamsin Fadal. And while you have your phone, please do me a favor and leave me a review for Squats and Margaritas podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you get anything valuable out of this episode, send it to a friend. Here is my episode with Tamsin Fadal. Hi, Tamsin. How are you? I'm so good. You're here. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you so much. I had the opportunity to be interviewed by you twice and I wasn't following you on Instagram yet. And I can't believe that I wasn't because the gems that you drop daily. And I, once you interviewed me, I was like, Oh, I love her. I look you up on Instagram and I want you here today to share the gems that I've gotten from you. I want to talk about hormone replacement therapy. I want to talk about menopause, more specifically perimenopause, because I think I am in it. And I want to talk about dating and how you got married recently. Um, I haven't shared a ton about this yet, but I am actually in the middle of a divorce and it has not been the best. Yeah. So that's where I would love this to go. (laughs) So I wanted to start, I know you're a big um, midlife advocate. Talk about hormone replacement therapy, because I feel like you said it changed your life, but there is like stigma around like, is it dangerous? What are some of the misconceptions and talk about what it did for you? Yeah. So I was one of the ones that had the misconceptions. I lost my mother uh, at an early age. She was 44 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She died at 51. Uh, Unbeknownst to all of us, she went through menopause as a result of breast cancer and a double mastectomy. And so somewhere in my mind, I always thought estrogen was bad Mm -hmm. and hormone replacement therapy, which now they call uh, menopausal uh, therapy, is uh, something that I never thought was an option for me simply because I had a mother with breast cancer who died of an estrogen-based breast cancer. And so when I wound up going through uh, menopause or realized I had hit menopause, which was also unbeknownst to me because it was nothing we had ever talked about uh, growing up. I just knew that someday when I got older, that was going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But when I went through it and I wound up talking to one doctor after another and um, hormone therapy was was recommended to me to go through some of the the symptoms that were the more severe symptoms of uh, hot flashes, of night sweats, not being able to sleep, weight gain, brain fog, which was a huge one that really crushed my confidence at work. Uh, I was afraid. And it wasn't until I did a, you know, I'm a journalist by trade and I did a deep dive into a lot of the research and, um, and learning and interviewing people to find out exactly what was going on. And there was a study that was done in 2002, the women's health initiative that really scared women and really did a big disservice to women. It had to be abruptly halted, but essentially the headlines screamed out, uh, you know, estrogen is bad. Hormone therapy is bad. And since then there have been studies done and research done, and there are some brilliant doctors. I'm not a doctor, brilliant doctors out there though, who talk to this and talk about this. And so I wound up trying hormone therapy about now it's probably been two years, but it was life altering. It's been life altering for me. Whereas I'm able to sleep, whereas I'm not having hot flashes that just you know, make my body become an instant furnace where I can think straight. So it's been a game changer in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you say you're not a doctor, but you went back and got certified like in your spare time after being an Emmy award winning journalist, you're like, I'm going to get certified in an integrative health. Like that's how passionate you were about what it did for you before we get into menopause. And I know you, you said you felt like incapacitated at work. Can we just like put the train back to perimenopause and yes. 
I don't think a lot of people know exactly when that sets in. Again, you think like at some point I'm going to go through menopause, but Tamsin, I don't know what's happening to me right now. Um, I'm only 41, but my mom went through perimenopause at 41. And I think that that's one thing you're supposed to look at your mom like that. Even if it seems young, if your mom did, then that can happen to you. But I, there's no other way to explain it than like rage out moments. Like I'm just, my hormones are all over the place. And again, I thought I was like too young. I'm only 41, but something is not right. Can you talk about some symptoms of perimenopause and like a typical onset of when these symptoms typically come? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in that stage of when those symptoms typically come, you know, everybody comes by perimenopause and menopause differently for sure. But, you know, it could be seven to 10 years before menopause hits that you start experiencing some of the symptoms. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be in menopause next week, but what it means is that your there's hormones are changing. Uh-huh. And the good thing is this is, this is the good thing. And this is really where I want people to, um, to listen is that, because you already know the word perimenopause and you're already identifying symptoms, you're way ahead of the game. Like I had no idea. I just thought there was something wrong with me. I thought I was going crazy. I thought it was the result of, of a very uh, public divorce I had. I thought I was uh, upset because of stress and that's why I wasn't sleeping. So I had I hadn't even heard the word perimenopause until a few years ago. So one, that means that, uh, you know, we're doing our jobs by making sure the next generation hears that word and is aware of those symptoms Two, because of the fact you're able to identify some of those. And there's 34 plus symptoms of menopause that have been recorded and reported. Um, I have a symptom tracker over my website for anybody that wants to just download it and look at it. But but be, be, there are a number of different symptoms and everyone's not going to get all 34 and, you know, some you'll get one or two and then those will go away and maybe you get another one. But the fact that we're aware of those things and you can walk into a doctor and say, listen, I think I'm having some of these symptoms. Here's what they are. Here's how long they're happening. You know, here's when they started. What can you do to help me? Is there a low dose birth control pill that I could go on to help, you know, balance or regulate and the most important thing beyond that is having a doctor who's willing to listen and to talk to you about it and acknowledge it and doesn't say it's all in your head or suck it up or women over the years have all dealt with this. You can too. That's the second most important thing that you can have for yourself. Can you talk about some of the symptoms? Um, I mentioned rage out because that is yes. what's happening with me. Like I cannot, I like scream at my kids and I'm like, I am so sorry. And like you said, it's, yeah. you attribute it to, like I said, I'm going through a divorce. I'm like, maybe I'm just like, super emotional because of this, you always attribute it to something else. Sure. What are, you don't have to give me 34, but <laughs> what are the no, symptoms? Give you 34. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's the ones that, you know, already there's the hot flashes, there's a night sweats, there's anxiety, there's rage, you know, there are uh, mood changes is really kind of what it's uh, couched under. Then there's some different things like frozen shoulder where you can't necessarily like lift your shoulder up, you know, the right way. And you go, wait a minute, what, what, when did that happen? Yeah. Uh, there's weight gain, especially around the middle. Again, that was a big, that was a big one for me where I had always uh, worked out to keep weight away. And then my diet and things were not changing and my weight was still changing. Um, You know, there's uh, itchy skin. There is a loss of hair. There's some different things, but at the end of the day, what they come back to is a a lack of estrogen or estrogen kind of waning away in your body and your hormones changing. And as, as, as you realize that, and you realize, look, there's not something wrong with me that the brain fog doesn't mean I have dementia. The brain fog means that I'm going through this transition I think the sooner that we do that and we realize that we're not just trying to survive these years, but you can actually thrive and be more powerful through them is when we start to, you know, to see things a little more clearly. 
and talking about thriving in this era of our lives. Can you talk about hormone mm-hmm. replacement therapy, exactly what it is? And if your doctor is like down <laughs> to put you on something like that, would it just talk about yeah. what it means and what it does? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. It allows you to, I've heard a lot of women say like, well, I feel like myself again. Mm. And I feel like a better version of myself again. That's how I feel because I feel like I, um, I, I went through it. It was a tough time. It was a tough time when I, you know, I heard teleprompter for a living. So when I was looking at a word and a word would come by like diamond and I couldn't, I knew the word. I, I, it was familiar to me and it wouldn't come out of my mouth. That was scary. And I really did notice that my confidence took quite a hit. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I went through a divorce in my early forties too. So I didn't know what was going on. You know, it was just kind of this, this whole intersection of all these things at the same time that I think we deal with. But when you're able to correct the issue, or at least identify that there are solutions to it. And I want to say not all women are going to be eligible or able to take hormones and not all want to. And that's okay because there are other solutions out there. There was just the first, uh, you know, backed uh, non-hormonal prescription that has come out. I, I don't know if you saw it, but during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, this commercial popped up. I feel like all the, all the guys that were, you know, everyone's cheering for the game. And a lot of women were like, what a menopause commercial, <laughs> the Super Bowl. Right. but you know, but we need those kind of things. Cause there's some people that are not able to do that. And so it's important that we realize there are options and more that will be coming on the market every day to help women, because this is half of our population and we're not just going to be menopausal half of, a third of our lives. It's going to be like a half of our life based on, you know, longevity and how long we're, we're going to live hopefully. Yes. And just, talking about it, normalizing it. Like if a woman is feeling this way and you feel like this is just what you have to do, you you go through this in your early forties and then early fifties, there are alternatives and there are things that can help. And I don't know, there's just a stigma. Like you're not supposed to talk about these things and you, you normalize aging and you talk about it. Like you said, you're at dinner and you're talking about menopause. You're saying the things that women typically kind of keep to themselves. And then it just makes you feel more isolated when you're not talking about it. Thank you for normalizing it. Like you share such great advice. Um, and you're 52, 52. 
And mm-hmm. you shared yeah. 52 things that you have learned in your 52 years. I wanted to pull a couple of things out of there that I was just yeah. like, yes, that you could kind of elaborate on. The first one, first impressions aren't based on looks. They're based on confidence. Don't you feel like that's true though? You, you walk into a room and you're so worked up about, you know, I, I, I just remember always thinking like, okay, everything's going to be perfect. Yes. And then I realized that the person that I would be looking at across the room that I thought was so spectacular was the one that walked in without a care in the world. Right. Yes. And owned it. it wasn't worried whether or not her, you know, I don't know, dress was wrinkled or her makeup wasn't perfect or her hair wasn't, you know, exactly the way it should be. And I, and I realized that, um, you know, it took me time. Like all these things took time to realize. And I just guess, I think that, you know, I don't have children of my own, but I feel like if I can pass these things on to another woman, like that's kind of cool. I, I get advice from women who are older than me and I want to pass pass on what I've learned to, to women that are younger than me. So it's, uh, but I think confidence is kind of everything, you know, in terms of how you feel about yourself, but how other people perceive you. hundred percent. And it's interesting. Like we both went through our divorce around the same time. Um, I feel like women finally step into self-confidence and kind of owning who they are and not worrying so much about what everybody thinks in their early forties. And I talked about this a couple of times on my show. I, I don't know the numbers, but I'm going to guess that they're high that women in their early forties file for divorce, because it's like, you kind of step into who you are and you're like, this doesn't work for me anymore. And if you started your relationship, like I did in your early twenties, things that worked for you then, or that you were accepting of then are different. And you kind of just wake up and it's like, wait a minute, maybe I believe this too. I projected a different image in my twenties and what I was putting out, which was a less confident kind of just on my husband's arm, whatever you want kind of personality attracted the match for that. But now stepping into who I am, it's not a match anymore. And now it's like, now, hopefully, I mean, I'm mid divorce. I'm not even thinking about dating, even though I am going to ask you about that. Um, now that I'm projecting who I actually am, that should mean that I should attract the match for this, like for Mm -hmm. who I actually am. And it's just so daunting. I've been with my husband for 18 years and you mentioned a very public divorce around the same age. Like can we kind of talk through how you came out of that? Because yes, or your hormones are already off because of perimenopause. And it's like, yeah, for a minute, I was like, did I file for divorce? Because I'm like raging out about perimenopause. And I don't think that's the case, but like, can you talk about that time in your life and how you kind of just step into your own and maybe like things that you were accepting of you're not anymore. Yeah. You know, you make, you make so many good points there. Um, I remember, well, you know, when I, I hit, I hit 40 and there was a big party for me at 40 years old. And I'm like, wow, I'm 40. I'm in New York city, my career. And I finally got married. I got married a little bit later in life thinking like, I don't want to make any mistakes. I want it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and I would joke around like, Oh, I skipped my first divorce. Ha ha ha. Well, that, that turned out the joke was on me. Um, but what I, what I realized at that age really was, um, who, who I had become right. And where my confidence had come in and what I wanted next. And, um, you know, the person that I was with, I attracted somebody that I needed to get me to the next place, I think in yes. my journey of who I was. Yes. And what I didn't realize is, um, that person 
uh, was definitely not for me, probably not even then, but I was really focused on my career, wasn't really paying attention to my personal life for a long time. I traveled all over the country, moving from one job to the next. And I think I didn't really know who I was, to be honest. And so um, when I got into that relationship and then I realized, well, this is definitely not who I am either. It was a scary decision because I, I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going, you know, this many years into it now admitting this perceived failure in my life and, um, and try to come out of that. And it was, it was public. It was in the papers. And then he was talking to the papers and it was in page six. And I thought, Oh my God, (laughs) I just not how you want to be in the paper. Um, and there were some very quiet times and some really, you know, times of, of, uh, dark times and times of, of depression. Um, but what I did really learn from that is, is who I was by myself before I was with somebody new. And what I also learned is what I was going to be willing and not willing to accept and where my boundaries were. And I, I don't know that we talked a lot about boundaries back then, but I certainly did establish some for myself because it was important for me to not change every morph every time I was with somebody new. And that was what my pattern had been all along. And so it took a long time for me to, um, start dating in a serious way. And my husband today, and I, and I had sworn off, I'm never going to get married again. Never. I never need to get married. And, uh, and he was the same way. And so the fact that we're married is kind of funny. We, we laugh about it a lot, but what, what I love about where I am today is that I'm not constantly worried about the decisions I make and worried about what his reaction is going to be. I care about it, but I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, change my thoughts about things right in, in the right way. Yes. And I'm not trying to always say like, what, what would he do? What, what's yeah. the right thing to do? What's going to not make him upset. What's going to make me, you know, it's, I'm not having those conversations that I did have before. And I also was looking for somebody different at this stage of my life In this stage of my life, I wanted somebody that I was going to travel the world with, like travel the world in terms of not, not being all over the place, but like just be alongside me in the world. And that was what was important to me more than um, this big ridiculous list that I had the first time around. And so it's nice to see where, where changes happen. Sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're very, (laughs) they whack you right in the face. Yes. Just you finding that and finding your match. Cause I'm in the place I'm in the dark place, honestly. And I have two kids and 50% of the time they're not here. And I'm like, what, like, what am, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm 41. I, I, we were married eight years, but we were together 18. And now I'm just sitting on the couch four days a week, um, without my family. And it's kind of like, I regress. I'm like, I'm back single again, but just like knowing that there's hope that you could find your actual match and that yeah, I mean, you have all the doubt that it's like, did I do the right thing, especially with the kids and uprooting Always, them? But right. it's like, I go back to when I know we talked about this when you interviewed me, what I'm modeling for my daughter. And it's like, if I am accepting of these things and just kind of where the relationship is going, she's going to seek that out and be like, well, this is love. This is marriage. This is what my mom did. Mm-hmm. And that was the determining factor. I was like, what am I showing her? What would I want for her? And I'm the person she looks to for that. So I have to kind of just stay steadfast in that decision that is the right decision. And that someday I will meet the person that I like my match for who I am now, like who I've, who I actually am, not who I was, I don't want to say pretending, but like projecting, like, like you said, like, who I don't want to make, who make you're a match. Grow, who you're growing into really yeah. is what it was young. You know, I think the, the one thing you never want to teach, I, I, I would never want to teach anyone younger than me is to settle. And I think that a lot of times we don't use that word very much, but the truth is, is that yes, could you go back into your relationship 
but would you feel like you were settling? And if you feel like that, eventually that comes out and you uh, are unhappy or miserable and children see that there's no question about it, but more important, you see it. And so I spend a lot of nights on the couch by myself next to my chihuahua with a pizza, <laughs> you know, watching yeah. TV, not, not doing much on a Saturday night. Uh, do you it's have cameras okay. in my house? <laughs> I rescued a dog. Tamsin, I know you lost your dog. And I, I was not a dog person and I am self-aware enough to be like, I rescued a dog because I'm here by myself on the couch. Like that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Thank you for saying it. I was there too. And I, and I'm so happy for those moments. Like, look, do are those moments hard to get through sometimes a hundred percent? Are we scrolling around online, looking at what everybody else is doing? That's so great while we're sitting there a hundred percent, those moments grow you. And I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, those moments grow you into who you want to be and what you're willing to accept with that next person. Because I think the last thing you want to do is repeat who, what you did before or who you were before, because it's not who you are anymore. And so I, I, um, very, I'm very sure about that because I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of, of women and their stories over the years. You know, I wrote my book in 2015, um, and, and now it's, you know, it's, it's been a while since then. And there's a lot of updates probably that are needed to it. But at the end of the day, what really worked for me in that stage was 90 day increments of getting through things and understanding that every day was not forever. And that I was living my someday today and not waiting for tomorrow to start. And so when you have a Saturday night at home watching TV, that's okay. Monday, maybe you got with a friend or Tuesday night, you know, you're going to see your kids again. Or I just, I think it's so important to give yourself that breathing room and not feel unhappy about it. Because what often happens is we jump into that next relationship and we haven't really, we think we know who we are, right? But we haven't had any of that alone time. And I think that alone time is really important to be able to hear our own thoughts. There's a lot of noise out there and it's hard to do that while you're working and hosting podcasts and doing social media and taking care of kids and helping your parent. It's hard to have that alone time. And so I, I really, those were the moments I cherished when I look back more than anything else. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows, I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. I'm loving my alone time, but I'm probably spending too much time there. (laughs) But it brings me to one of your next tips. The people that you surround yourself, like obviously you are glowing now. You found your match. The five people that you surround yourself, like that's who is determining your habits in your life. Can you talk about that point? Yeah. I mean, like this is, you know, that age old, age old adage of, of that it's who you surround yourself with. And I've had to change those things out. I did a video uh, this week that really 
I think it really resonated with a lot of people. And I didn't, I was very surprised by some of the people that came out and said like, oh my gosh, but you know, my friendship group has changed over the years. It has. And there have been people that have been in my life that I was, um, trying to prove myself to for a long time or trying to get their acceptance or didn't make me feel so great about things. And especially in my divorce, because you have a lot of the couple friends, right. That want to be friends with you and you're part of the couple and now you're not part of the couple anymore. And they they don't want you, they don't want the third person hanging around. (laughs) Um, but it was once that we're okay with that, that I'm still friends with today. And, um, and it was important for me to note that not the ones that came back after I had a part, another partner. It was the ones that accepted me for who I was both as myself and as, as in a couple. Um, but I do think that those five people are important because those are the habits that we pick up. Those are the, the conversations that we have. Those are the thoughts that are in our mind when we walk away from them. Right. I mean, those are the kind of things that you want with you. You don't want somebody that's saying to you, I mean, should you be doing this? You don't want people casting doubt in your mind, Like that's not helpful. It's good to have somebody to bounce things off of. It's not good to have somebody that you have to prove yourself to all the time. And when we're talking about friendship, you say that if you spot jealousy in a friend, run. (laughs) Competitive is one thing. Competitive, aggressive, the hustle mentality, sure. Jealousy, uh, feeling like you're being undermined all the time, uh, not sure where you stand, not okay. Like we have enough issues out there. We don't, we don't need to go find somebody to make us feel worse about ourselves. So I'm, I'm a very, I, I think there's a big wide world out there. And sometimes you have to, you know, leave some open space in your life for somebody new. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my next point was <laughs> leave things that aren't serving you to make space for the next opportunity. I feel like we've kind of touched on that, but kind of knowing that that's what you're doing. Like you are leaving this. And even though it's sad, you're opening it up for the next opportunity. And if you don't leave it, you'll never get that opportunity because it won't be available to you because you're still in the last one. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm I'm going through it right now, actually. And it's like the, I don't know, it's like the fourth or fifth time in my life that I've, uh, I've, I've left something where I was like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, uh, but I really know it's the right thing. Cause I really know that there's something else that I really want to do and accomplish out there. And the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, well, I've, I've got this, this amount of time. If I live to a hundred, I've got, you know, 48 more years to do yeah. this. Um, but, but I really, I do think that that's important because I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the now that we don't realize what else could be available to us. And sometimes that's a really healthy thing and where we need to be. And so whether it's moving or whether it's a career, or whether it's a, you know, a, I don't know, a partnership with somebody, whatever it is, a friendship with somebody, I think that it's important to acknowledge that when it's not working, if you find yourself trying to twist yourself into a pretzel to make something work or to convince yourself that this is working for you when you're, when you constantly, and you know, we all know what it's like when we're trying to convince ourselves, when you yeah. feel like you're doing that over and over again, you know, you it's time. To, it doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It just means you're ready for a new place. I feel like people do that though, because it's like the unknowing, like you have to trust oh, that yeah, better. The worst. What if you think there's nothing better than this? So you, it's going back to not settling. Like you settle because maybe there, this is the grass isn't greener. And yeah. you, the, the thought of just not having that, that something isn't going to be better. And then you, you second guess, you have to believe that there is something better and don't settle. And that has to be like the governing <laughs> voice. Yeah, it's the what if. It's the what if, you know, I mean, I never, I I couldn't have written out where I was going to meet my husband, how I was going to meet my husband, who he was going to be, you know, how, how I feel different about myself in this part of my life versus how I did five years ago. Um, So I, I don't, we don't know the what ifs, right? Mm -hmm. 
we do know when we're sitting in one place, I do know if I could continue to sit in that place, I would have been miserable. And I, I always think to myself, like, what if I hadn't gotten out of my relationship at that time? And I let that continue to chip away at me. Right. Or what if those, those what ifs, and I I've had enough what ifs in my life to be willing to take the chance on the next one. Thank you. It's so inspiring. Recently, um, you had like your morning routine and oh. first thing, get outside. You just get up. Yes. And, okay. Why are we doing that? Get outside. Okay. And then I, I grab my drink out there. Um, you know what? I, I started doing that. I, I interviewed this doctor talking about light and I said, well, but it's not always sunny. I live in New York city. It's like not always sunny out. And she goes, that is a, that is the first thing that you need to do in the morning. I don't care after you get out of bed, get outside. And I'm like, what? I need my coffee. I need to like read 20 emails. I need to, I need to watch the news. And, and that was my habit for a long time, but I've gotten outside and I've been pushing myself to do that. It's made a remarkable difference, wow. a difference in a couple of things. I think in my mood for sure. And that's what it's supposed to do. But I also think it, it moves my day. It gets my day started, right? Like I'm more energized. I see people outside, I'm moving, I'm going, I'm going. And then it keeps my day in motion. And I'm really enjoying that. And it doesn't mean that every day has to be in full hundred percent gear. Sometimes I'm slothing outside at a very, at a very slow pace, but it gets me out the door. And um, I think that that's, that's important. Look, I never want to give people like this whole to-do list to do in the morning, like uh, do this and that. And then you got 10 things in the morning and you feel like you want to scream before you, you know, before you leave the house. But I do think yeah. that that's a big one. It's been working for me lately. So I'm going to keep doing it until it doesn't serve me anymore. Well, you gave me two. One is like a to don't list. Um, don't look at your device. Don't. <laughs> to don't. <laughs> don't look at your device. I, know. I do it first thing. It's like, okay, I'm still in bed. What's happening? I know. In bed. Yes. It's funny. Um, I interviewed Ariana Huffington and she, she had just such a foresight about this like years ago. Yeah. And she said to me, um, I, she had, when she started her thrive global site, mm-hmm. she had little beds made up that were chargers. I can't even remember it so well, but it was like a little bed and you tuck your, you would like take your phone and you would tuck your phone in like the sheet of the bed and then you charge it in another room. And I'm like, <laughs> I am never, Ariana, I am never gonna be that far away from my phone <laughs> ever. Like what if there's an emergency? What yeah. if, what if, what if? But I've really tried to make it a point to not jump on there because you've just you've just brought the whole world into your brain, like every problem there could be in the world right into your head. I'm not as great at night. I'll admit admittedly, like I'm not perfect about it at night. I try not to scroll all night long. And sometimes if I can't sleep, I have to have my, my audible playing or my headspace playing. So the phone is over there, but I try not to bring like all of the world's problems in in the morning. Cause that can be a crappy way to start your day. Oh <laughs> right? I've got 12 things to do before I get out of bed. I, and then thinking of all the things in your head, one of your other 52 tips was go clutter free. I am clutter oh, full. Why I should want to I come over and help you clutter? It'll um, take too long, you know, Tamsin. How am I supposed to? This, I don't, no one has time for this. No, decluttering is like my meditation. It really is. It Whenever I have a problem, whenever I'm stuck, whenever I'm uh, trying to write and I can't, whenever I'm stressed out about some kind of dilemma, that's what I that's what I go to do. And I, it actually did start during my divorce. I'd always try to be very... Um, uh, streamlined because I moved around a lot due to, to TV news. I moved to, I don't know, 10 cities in a short amount of time. Mm. And so I didn't, it wasn't able to have a lot of stuff all the time because it was expensive to move all that crap. But, um, but it was really important to me during my divorce to get rid of a lot of him right in my world. And so what I did is I, I wound up cluttering and de- I'm decluttering and arranging and decluttering and winding down. And then I realized, Oh, 
that helped me have clarity in my mind. And so I remember my cousin moved to the city and she brought all this stuff from LA. And I went, oh my gosh, this is going to be my favorite project ever to declutter (laughs) her. And things were going out the door, but I realized two things, what I really need to exist, right? What I'm really using. And that doesn't mean I don't have anything. Like I have a closet full of stuff, but those are things that I really love. And I declutter and I streamline as, as best I can all the time. And I also think it helps your mind to have a little more clarity. So you can be focused on what you're doing. Do you ever go to a hotel room and you feel like that's where you get a lot of good work done? Cause it's yes. just like you and the computer. Why? Cause none There's of your no crap is around you. Yeah. Right. Yes. None of your crap is around you. And 100%. so anyway, DRM is a big thing for me. It helps me be more creative in a lot of ways. But the fact that like you came up with all of this as you're going through your divorce in the early forties and oh, I have you right now. through my divorce. And I need, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm on the couch with my dog, Tamsin, and I, I'm trying to stop. And I, I know what I need to do. It's just, and when I have my kids, yeah. like, obviously I can't be on the couch, but it's, it's hard for me or anybody else that's going through a divorce with kids or is co-parenting when they're not here. Yeah. I don't have like the drive to get up. I, I go back in my feelings. So it's like staying yep. just busy and knowing I, like I get them back today. I can't like, I can't be on my couch and this too shall pass. Well, you've got to be doing, you've got to be doing, they keep you, they keep you moving. Right. But I, but I think if, if while you're moving now and you plan those quieter times, I think that mm-hmm. that's a good way to do that. So, you know, you have a plan, even if that plan is, doesn't have to be a plan going out with the girls. It doesn't have to be that kind of plan, but you have a plan, whatever it is, whatever you plan to tackle, I think is super important. I really, really do. I believe in it more than anything. That's what helped me get through. Yeah. And look at you now, like it's so inspiring, like for you to know that you went through it at the same age that I am and look at you like thriving. Same age. That, okay. Yeah. A scary age. And I get it. I get it. It's a scary age. And, and when I did it, I, I didn't know whether I was going to have kids or not. So I was battling that, you know, at the yeah. same time, um, because we had just started talking about that. So, so I, you know, I would say to you, you're so much further ahead <laughs> than where I was. Um, but I, I know it can be anxious, but make sure that you know that you have a couple of people in your life that you can talk to about it too, because that, that helped me get through my best friend in the world is still the person that helped me pull the trigger at the end of the day and say, okay, I'm calling a mediator and this is what I'm doing. Cause I didn't even have the strength to, th- to do that at that point. I was so emotionally, you know, uh, abused. Speaking of scary and anxious um, dating after divorce. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. I try not to make this so like personal and like specific to me, but I know so many women that are in divorces right now and you you can't even think, not that I'm thinking about dating, but I know that you used to be a matchmaker. (laughs) I did. did. What a career you have. Do you have any tips? Like you found your match after divorce, like way after divorce. Like, I think it's important not to be looking one. I think it's important just to get out there and see who's out there because dating is a whole new world, especially when you've been with somebody for a long time. Yes. Um, two, I think that, you know, get offline as quickly as possible. Cause a lot of times nowadays, it's so much easier to just sit there and have those conversations. You need to get out in person and feel that person's energy and see if there's any hope at all. Um, but I think the most important thing for me anyway, was not to be looking for a one or a match or a whatever it was and not try to um, fix them. So they fit into the space like, oh, they have eight of my 12 things. So the other four will work themselves out. And so I call them pink flags, you know, they're like not red, but they're pink. And so we think we can fix them and you shouldn't be at this age at this time in life trying to go fix somebody else because it doesn't work. I love it so much. Talk about anything you have coming up. I know when is the documentary coming out? 
uh, documentary. It looks like it'll be next year. And so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, shredding the silence about menopause and getting through this next step. And the fact that, you know, quite frankly, this is a bigger problem than hot flashes. It's beyond that. And that's what we need to talk about. It's, it's all sorts of things. It's mental health. It's how we deal with it in the workplace. It's how the society uh, deals with it. And it's what we need to do across the board, education, you know, with medical schools, uh, teaching our kids what this is about and teaching women what they're going through. And that it's not the end of the world. Thank you sincerely for the work that you do. Oh, thank if you people want more from you, where can they find you? Yeah. Tamson Fidel anywhere. Tamsonfidel.com. If you want those um, symptoms, I just put a tracker up there. It's down and dirty, but at least you have them. Yes. It's such a pleasure to interview you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. And you got this. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.